Hey friends, welcome to Monday the 11th of April 2022 for today's episode of Enough for Today. Bear with my voice, I feel fine, I just feel like I've got a hamster in my throat. So um, I don't know what's uh, why it won't release, maybe it's just because I need to rest my voice for a long time, but um, physically I'm healthy, some of you have been worried about that. As um, best I know, I, I'm doing okay. So thanks for joining me for a new week. Hey, it's Passion Week. And uh, last week we had set up, I think, Psalm 41. But you know, uh, yesterday and Saturday, the Lord put on my heart to just shift gears this week. Let's put on hold Psalm 41. <clears throat> and let's really focus our attention on Jesus and on the last week of Jesus' life. And I thought it would be good uh, if, if each day of this week, We talked about the scriptures and the events that were unfolding in Passion Week. I noticed, I noted with our church family yesterday, almost half of the book of John, the Gospel of John, is committed to the last week of Jesus' life. And uh, something similar would be true about all the Gospels. Large portions of the end of all of the Gospels is, is really committed or devoted to uh, these events. So when it came to the gospel writers, they wanted us to really understand uh, the significance and the meaning of these events. But the challenge is that they all give us a little different view. Um, It doesn't mean they're in conflict. It just means that uh, it's almost if you were standing on four different street corners looking on the same uh, car accident or the same event in an intersection, people would see things differently from different vantage points. And so um, as these Gospels were being brought into being sometime after these events, um, different viewpoints come into play. And the disciples, or the authors of the um, Gospels, were not so concerned about the precision of the timeline as they were the accuracy and the significance of the events. So... Uh, I'm going to email the church family a little later today a reading schedule for this week. Uh, today is Monday. Uh, so let's go back a little bit to yesterday, uh, uh, Sunday, first day of the week. Actually, let's go back even a couple days further just to get the context and the flow. Thursday, Friday, apparently, uh, Jesus was coming towards Jerusalem through the city of Jericho, and that's where he healed uh two blind men. One gospel says it's one, one gospel says it's two, okay? Doesn't mean there's a conflict, it just means that, um, that Bartimaeus was the center of the story, and, uh, and then one gospel mentions that there was a second blind man that got healed as well. As he's passing through Jericho, Zacchaeus is hiding in a tree, looking on, and you remember the story, he goes over to the tree, and uh, he says, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to your house today and we're going to have a meal together. And so he does. Zacchaeus believes in Jesus, repents, uh, promises to repay all those that he stole from. Uh, And it's a radical transformation from greed to generosity. This is what the love of Jesus does to us. We live out of his blessing, not for it. He brings a kind of abundance to our lives that nothing else and no one else ever can. So that's beautiful. Well, then Jesus arrives later in Bethany at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and he spends Saturday, Sabbath, with them, resting, having a meal, 
This is when he's anointed by Mary. Um, and simultaneously, there's a plot unfolding to kill Lazarus. Uh, the leaders in Jerusalem do not want Jesus alive. They don't want Lazarus alive. Why? Because the uh, story is creating massive uh, social conversation and disruption. Jesus is a threat to their kingdom. Well, on Sunday, Jesus wakes up, and you have the account of the triumphal entry. Now, we studied that uh, really thoroughly yesterday in church, um, how to welcome a king celebrating Jesus and the kingship of Jesus and what it really means. What we took away yesterday in big picture was that Jesus doesn't bring the blessings we want. He's not the king we want with the blessings we want. He's a king we don't expect. He's a king we never imagined bringing blessings we never imagined. Blessings beyond our wildest dreams. He is a blesser. So when they cried, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, when they cried, Hosanna, they were saying a political statement. Welcome, save us now, waving the national flag, the palm branches, <clears throat> and expecting him to bring the blessings they wanted. They got the words right, but their motives and heart were in a very different place. This is why Jesus is going to do what he does on Monday. So Jesus, and it's, again, one gospel to the next. These events kind of blend together. But the best we can tell, Jesus, after the triumphal entry, rode, went into Jerusalem, went into the temple, looked around, spent some time in the city that day. Didn't take a lot more action, but he did teach. <clears throat> he likely did miracles. The um, crowds thronged him, okay? So he was, uh, even though he knew he was there to die that week, he still loved and expended himself for people. It's an amazing uh, picture to understand <clears throat> how he behaves this week. He gives himself to this city. Many believe, many do not. But in large part, the leaders, the city itself, the structure, the nation as an entity rejects him. Um, so he goes back to Bethany. He goes in and out of the city almost every day this week, okay? So that evening, he goes back to Bethany and has a quiet evening and spends the night again with uh, his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in their home. <clears throat> if you have never been there, we would love for you to go to the Holy Land with us in November. We're taking a group from our church and friends from all over. If you want information about that, just uh, email me, pastor at ebcnewington.com. But um, we will actually take the walk. We will start at the peak of the Mount of Olives. We will walk down the Mount of Olives. We'll pause where Jesus wept over the city, <clears throat> curse the fig tree. We'll continue the journey down the valley, uh, the, the Kidron Valley. We will uh, see where Jesus would have entered the city at the Pool of Siloam. <clears throat> we will see the southern steps of the temple where he would have arrived at the temple. We will spend some time in Old City. Uh, the, these sites are very different in their modern-day view of them, but in some ways they're the same, and in many aspects they're being excavated. So he's back at Bethany for, um, for Sunday night, okay? Monday morning... <clears throat> Let me give you the passages if you want to write them down, and then we're going to read one, okay? Monday morning, um, Matthew 21, 18 to 19. I'm sorry, Matthew 21, really 12 to 19, uh, even 20, yeah, 12 to 19. Mark 11, 
uh, 12 to 19, and Luke 19, 45 to uh, 48. And what I want to do right now is read to you Mark's account, okay? So this is uh, Monday morning. On the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. So Jesus, so they're leaving Bethany, coming back to the city, coming down the Mount of Olives. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But ye have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it, and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. So that's Mark's account of Monday. Now let's talk about these sequence of events and what do they mean? Because in the first position, Jesus is hungry. He stops. He sees a fig tree. He's going to go get some figs and uh, feed himself. But the Narrative, Mark makes a specific point to say he saw leaves and only leaves, no figs. Now, was Jesus just losing his temple, uh, temper? Was he, just, um, was he just randomly angry at a, random, a randomly healthy fig tree? What's going on here? Well, you might call this a living parable. Uh, Jesus had formerly told a parable about a fruitless fig tree. In Old Testament, the nation of Israel is often uh, compared to a fig tree, and God has a purpose for that fig tree, that nation, to be fruitful. <clears throat> let me back. Let me back up and explain because He says this again when He cleanses the temple that the temple would be a house of all nations, a house of prayer. <clears throat> what was Israel's responsibility to show God to the nations so that all people could come and worship God. This was Israel's responsibility. Did they fulfill it? No. Did they follow the plan of God in the redemptive story? No. They got off mission. They got off track. They created their own kingdom and idolized their own ideals, their own kingdom. So they rejected God and they were idolatrous. So in that sense, they became a fruitless fig tree. So Jesus this week is really... In, in addition to accomplishing the final work of redemption for you and for me, he is confronting the idolatry, the faithlessness of the nation of Israel. He is pronouncing the time is done for this nation to be the fruitful fig tree that it could have and should have been because they have rejected him. At the same time, he's preaching the gospel. He's inviting all people, Jews and Gentiles, to believe in him. He is doling out lavish generosity, miracle after miracle after miracle. He's teaching the gospel all week in the temple. 
He's ministering to soft and tender hearts. He's rebuking, you could even say cursing, hard, willfully unbelieving hearts. He's responding to the responses of the people, okay? But in this moment, Jesus is basically expressing in a parable, a living parable, what has already happened to the nation of Israel. Now, here's a little detail that's important to this story. Fig trees, when the leaves show up, if they're going to be fruitful, they have little bulbs that become figs. In March and early April, at the time of this occurrence, when Jesus walked over to the fig tree, it wasn't even time for mature figs. They would have been bulbs or very young figs. This tree had none. So the idea here is not that it would have been a healthy tree growing figs in May. The idea here is that he could see it was basically dead already. Cursing it didn't make it dead, but proved the inevitable. It was already fruitless, and he could see that. And so he was in advance expressing what was already a reality. So again, this is a picture of of a fruitless nation of Israel and how God feels about willful blindness, willful unbelief, and the resulted curse that comes upon even us today when we uh, are in a lifestyle or a life or a heart of willful hard-heartedness, willful fruitlessness, willful unbelief. Well, then Jesus goes into the temple and we read it. He drives out the money changers. He overturns the tables. He won't allow anybody to carry merchandise to and from and through the temple. And he begins to teach. And once again, he drives out the system, purifies the place to make this place, this person, Jesus himself, accessible now to everybody who will come with a repentant heart of true faith. And he says, this is a house for all nations a house of prayer. It had become a den of thieves, but now it's a house of prayer. And then he begins to sit down and teach the people. And best we understand, he stayed there all day teaching people. Again, healing, serving, blessing, loving, giving them the gospel. One of the gospel accounts says that he goes into the temple and preaches the gospel. So uh, Sunday was essentially a day of celebration. Welcome the king. The people are expecting political deliverance. The Jewish leaders are plotting his assassination, his execution. Uh, there's this mixed crowd of, of enemies, mushy middle, fickle faith followers, and then uh, those who are truly believing and following. They're perplexed and confused, as I said yesterday. Um, but what is Jesus doing on Monday? He's loving and teaching reachable and tender hearts, and he begins a confrontation with the systems of religion and in particular with willfully unbelieving people. So my friend, it bears reckoning in our hearts. As I said yesterday in church, are we following a Jesus of our own making or are we following a Jesus who has our trust and faith even when he's perplexing to us, even when he is confusing to us? Um, Today, meditate on these events. Jesus coming down and cursing the fruitless fig tree. And maybe consider the fact that Jesus wants you to be a fruitful follower. 
Consider the fact that he cleansed the temple so that anybody who wanted him could have access to him. And consider the fact that you today, because of the work he did on this week, have access to him. So we'll pause here. This is Monday of Passion Week. And we will uh, pick it up here tomorrow. And later today, I'll email our church family a reading schedule for Passion Week. Happy Monday. We'll see you tomorrow.